Hello, welcome back to another episode of Mac and D. It's a time of celebration. The Chiefs have won the Super Bowl, and I am joined by the number one Kansas City Chiefs fan out there, my good friend James Dumbledore. How are you doing, James? I mean, you couldn't have said it better uh, than what you just said, right? Huge Chiefs fan, clearly. Everyone knows that uh, Valentine's Day. So not only do I get to love my Chiefs, I get to love the day itself. It's a great day to be great. Dude, what a boring-ass Super Bowl in the first half. And then by the time we got to the fourth quarter in overtime, it felt like a completely different game. The 49ers were dominating in the first half. And honestly, after going up 10-0, it really started to look like the Chiefs were just never going to come back. We had Travis Kelsey bumping into Andy Reid. Honestly, that wouldn't fly with like 99% of coaches out there. We had Mahomes getting angry. We had MBS trying to do things that only continued to get worse throughout the game. It was looking bizarre for a while. What were your thoughts on that first half? Yeah, the, the Niners did such a great job frustrating the Chiefs. And they were like, all right, but now the second half, let's avoid doing any of those things that worked and try a, a whole new strategy. And then, of course, the Chiefs just found their rhythm and, and fought back uh, pretty hard. I I couldn't believe how terrible of a second half game plan Wilkes had. I, I mean, there's the number of plays where the defensive backs were six, seven yards downfield. Like, you, you know, Mahomes is, is ready for the moment. You know, Kelsey's ready for the moment. But some of those other guys... All they needed was a couple catches to get in a rhythm and realize it was a, a real game or just a normal game, not the Super Bowl. It's like they didn't have that moment until Wilkes decided to play prevent up by ten with two, you know, in the second half. Like it made no sense. I, I, I could not fathom what was going on. That, that was my biggest takeaway. I think really. Yeah, and it ultimately cost Steve Wilkes' job, which is just brutal, but also honestly kind of fair. It's fun because we we work together now, so we've been talking about the game all week, and so now you're just getting the highlights, the the best parts, the rehash. And I, I said this earlier this week, but it's so true. It feels like in today's modern NFL, where so much of everything is just predicated on finding the gaps in the defense, anytime a defensive coordinator starts calling up prevent defense, it really feels like it's preventing you from winning defense. It's just really brutal just giving Mahomes that many gaps of the defense just to pick apart all game long and that was also just exasperated by the fact that Drake Greenlaw got injured on one of the most brutal brutal moments that I've ever seen running onto the field not doing anything athletic was just trying to run to go play defense to play the dang game and Patrick Mahomes recognized that there was a replay that came out today where he was talking to Andy Reid and he's like oh oh hey this guy backup we're gonna pick on him and that's exactly what they did is they picked on Drake Greenlaw's backup I don't even know his name all game long he gave up hundreds of yards a perfect completion percentage and multiple touchdowns which is if you're the 49ers like that's just brutal that's your one weak spot is backup linebacker and there's nothing you could do to replace that yeah that it, I mean it, it felt like God didn't want the Niners to win this game with some of the things that were happening right like a blocked PAT bizarre a couple of just weird injuries, you know, uh, Debo was down at some point, Kittle went down at some point, Greenlaw jumping up in excitement, and then not when he was jumping, but then just starts jogging onto the field, boom, sniper takes him out, goes down. Like, I, I just don't think he could script up a worse day for this team. And they still absolutely had a chance to win, right? I and mean, they just kind of forgot who they were, decided for two and a half full quarters they were never going to let CMC touch the ball, decided on defense, you know what? Uh, actually, we we can't cover these guys, even though he blanketed them all day. Decided not to bring any extra pressure, and it, and it just it showed. Yeah, it, I think you and I talked a ton. I mean, it really just felt like the better coaching staff won. Andy Reid knew what he wanted to do, stuck to it, made small adjustments. You know, Shanahan knew what he wanted to do, made these huge adjustments that made no sense. And it's like 
how many times do we have to see this from Shanahan before before we start really questioning his decision making in these big games? I, I get it. You had to win against the Packers. You had to win against the Lions. There we go. A little brain fart to to make this game, but. I don't know how many times in the Super Bowl he has to stop going to his run game before he thinks, you know, maybe that run game that I'm like known for is, is just what I should, should utilize in, in the biggest moment. Yeah. And if you're the Niners, you really can't even like point to anybody to get mad at except for yourselves. Right. It wasn't like they had so many penalties. The The Chiefs had the same number of penalties for more yards. You can't point to oh the the refs were screwing us over with other calls. No, I mean, I feel like everything was pretty, uh, pretty fair going back up. Uh, going both directions you really just have to point at yourself and be like oh damn cmc had his first fumble in like 500 carries or something like that would have been nice if it came in the fc championship game against the lions but you know the one time cmc doesn't have to be perfect and then the offensive line honestly really struggled i feel like brock purdy was pretty dang solid in this game but dang like just that offensive line wasn't giving him any sort of time there are multiple times where trent williams got beat which is pretty much unheard of and there are a couple of plays where brock purdy had someone in his face almost immediately with a wide receiver open downfield there's one where brandon Ayuk was on a post route his defender fell down and brock Purdy just like couldn't see him because he literally had chris jones right up in his airspace so between between the penalties being equal you can't get mad that the fumbles that you're doing that to yourself there's that punt return muff that was brutal and the cmc fumble and then ultimately you just didn't execute and that really is what ultimately cost steve wilkes its job i feel like Oh, for sure. Yeah, that that muffed punt, if you even call it that, I mean, that's just the the worst luck that you can have, right? Like you have a guy blocking, you're yelling, you know, grenade, grenade or whatever your your keyword is there to just get out of there. But he was in a position where, I mean, a guy's on top of him, like he can't physically get out of the way of that ball. It just happened to barely clip his foot. I, I thought maybe Ray Ray should just fell on the ball, but that's easier to say from the couch than, you know, being in that moment. I mean, he just tried to make a quick decision and the ball just kind of butterfingered right out of his hands, unfortunately, because I mean, he, he could have absolutely still recovered the ball. It just, it didn't go their way. And then you just consider, you know, Spags, I, I don't know if there's a single play he didn't blitz against the Ravens, right? I, I mean, anyway, like even casual fans would be like, oh my God, they're bringing the heat. At what point were the, the Niners like not preparing for just an immense amount of blitzing pressure? Like that is what the Chiefs have done all season. Again, they just didn't forget who they were in the big game. They said, screw it. We're going to play our game. And if you guys beat us, you beat us. But if not, like we'll let you beat yourselves. And that's, it's a lot like those old Patriots dynasties. Like, I don't know if there's anything special. They, there wasn't like an insane game plan. You can't point to any crazy play that, you know, Andy Reid drew up. It was just, hey, we're going to not screw up, even with our turnovers. But, like, we're not going to screw up, and we're going to see if you guys can hang. And, and the Niners couldn't hang. Yeah, it really felt like a resurgence for, like, inside linebackers and the value of inside linebackers because having Nick Bolton – and Willie Gay, who can just tackle in space and then free up literally everybody else just to be pass rushing constantly. That's just such valuable skill in today's NFL. And yeah, I feel like Spags just drew it up perfectly, just playing uh, awesome, awesome defense across the board. You, you told me earlier this week, it felt like Trent McDuffie was literally running the routes for the wide receivers, and that is basically what happened. McDuffie only had one penalty on the game and was blanketing Debo Samuel all game long. It really does feel like to me that like, like you mentioned, Kyle Shanahan was just getting a little too cute with it, not handing the ball off to CMC, even though he's getting chunk yardage. It really felt like there's maybe a little loss of faith early in the game. And then just not getting the ball in your playmaker's hands. Like back in 2018, whenever we, or 
not 2018, 2020, whatever the matchup was, the last 49ers Chiefs matchup was the second leading receiver for the 49ers. It, it went one Emmanuel Sanders, who obviously isn't there anymore. And number two, it wasn't George Kittle. It wasn't Debo Samuel. It wasn't any of their other elite playmakers. It's Kyle Juszczyk. And it really feels like there's just like, hey, you're not getting the ball to your elite playmakers. And Shanahan was just trying to spread the ball around too much. He feels like he overthinks things too much. He, he out galaxy brained himself for sure. Um, you know, I, I, maybe we could even point to like Kittle just kind of is a Houdini in the playoffs. I mean, his playoff numbers are, are not good at, at all. I mean, they were like showing him before the game and it was like, oh, six receptions, 108 yards, a touchdown. I'm like, oh, is that last week? That's a good stat line. And then it said like asterisks this playoffs. It's like, okay, he had one good game across, you know, the entirety of the playoffs. But like if you combine all his stats, I mean, you can't pay the guy as much as he's getting paid and just watch him disappear in these big moments. And that's what's happening. Same with Debo. I thought Ayuk played pretty well as far as, far as receivers go. Just to your point, those those plays that they scheme up for him to catch it over the middle, pretty did not have enough time to step up in the pocket and deliver to him. Um, it just it did it. The defense obviously made the Niners have to play perfect football, and they just didn't. But it also just felt like the Niners were just giving up on on what got them to the Super Bowl. They they could have ran the ball with Christian McCaffrey forty five times and probably won this game. I get it that that's a huge workload, but this is the Super Bowl. Do do whatever it takes to win that game. I don't think CMC would have cared. Even Elijah Mitchell, uh, he had like two carries just out of nowhere. It's like back-to-back clearly have this power run game down. How is it that every person except Kyle Shanahan can understand that you have the best run game in the last five years? Like just keep leaning on yeah, it really did feel like more so that the 49ers beat themselves and the Chiefs beat them. And we knew that was going to happen, right? Like we knew all the teams in the playoffs this year had pretty glaring flaws or no perfect teams. And so it was going to be a sloppy Super Bowl no matter what happened. But it did kind of leave some opportunity for a couple of players to really step up, especially for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan trying to spread that ball around. Juwan Jennings had an amazing game. Former quarterback recruit, Tennessee volunteer. He had a great game throwing the ball and also receiving the ball. He's going to get paid this offseason. He's a future Tennessee Titan for sure. And uh, very, very Julian Edelman-esque performance, if we're being honest. was just like doing everything for the team. And then also Chris Conley. I kind of noted him as like kind of being everywhere. He was making plays on offense, on special teams, blocking in the run game. That was a guy I had thought of in years. Like the last time I remember thinking about Chris Conley, whatever he was on the Kansas City Chiefs last, and he definitely made some money last night as well. It felt like yeah, uh, no, Sunday night. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. Absolutely. I, I mean, the thing is, right? Like this is the where the Chiefs team is right now. You know, it's easy to say, "Oh my God, they're going to keep doing this." We don't know. It could be the case. It could not be. I mean, the the dynasty Patriots took a a good little break between winning Super Bowls. Like it is very difficult to win this game and to keep getting back. So you have to tip your cap to just being able to win three and five years or whatever clip they're on. Um, but I mean, what a squandered opportunity for any NFC team, right? You got, you held the, the chiefs to 19 for, uh, regulation points, right? It, it, it was 19. Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you not win that game? Yeah. Hold them to under 20. You have to win that game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, it's 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 embarrassing not embarrassing but it's just like I, I, Shanahan, you're you're not getting a better opportunity than what you just had it's it's disappointing for sure and honestly it really goes back to the AFC championship game too like this is a prime opportunity for the Ravens to steal one this is a prime opportunity for the Lions to even steal one a lot of teams could have gotten a pretty quick easy cheap Super Bowl if they would have just gotten there <laughs> I, I think I, I texted you or you told you in the office but I was like man my biggest takeaway was the Lions win that Super Bowl 
I, the, I think the Lions, they they come in guns blazing. Dan Campbell has them amped up, and they put up 28 points in the first half. I don't think they score in the second half, but I think they just hold on. You know, they, they just hold on the way they have all season. And, and, man, they just had probably three of the most unlucky plays possible in that championship game, and that was the difference between winning the Super Bowl this year. That would remind me. I, that kept me up all night, Sunday night. I was just having, like, war flashbacks thinking about all the things that could have been. But, you know, we got to live in a like, future-looking, got to live in the moment kind of world. and just part of it. Uh, some other random musings that I had. Uh, pay your kickers, kids. Like, what a performance by both kickers here. But, like, ultimately, the team that invested more in their kicker kind of came out on top. Harrison Butker had a great game. Uh, who broke the record for the longest field goal in the Super Bowl, which was set earlier in the game by Jake Moody about an hour before uh, the kicker for the 49ers. Moody's, though, he, he had that blocked PAT that you talked about, and that ultimately ended up being kind of a big factor in the game. If he would have just made that thing, then the Chiefs couldn't have gone just down the field and only gotten three. They would have had to get a touchdown, and that would have completely changed the decision-making and the geometry at the end of the game for the Chiefs. So it kind of goes back to show, hey, kickers are important. Don't invest a third-round pick in one because if it ends up being shit. You don't want you want to be able to move on. But like, hey, pay your kicker. You know, like get Harrison Bucker, pay him a good four or five million in order to have that automatic kick because uh, like the Lions showed, if you have Michael Badgley who can't kick a 45 yarder, it can really end up costing you down the stretch. Yeah, if, if they make that PAT and and I think at what I first saw, I was like, well, that was the kicker's fault. That was a pretty low line drive, but I, in the high or like on the replay, there's enough angles where I was like, it was a bit low of a PAT, but I think a guy just made a pretty good play on, you know, getting his hand just in the perfect location. Like it just kind of happens. Um, but yeah, I, it changes that entire last drive. I, you know, obviously the chiefs played a bit different. If they have to get a touchdown, they knew they only needed a field goal. So they weren't, you know, maybe doing it exactly the same, but you figure you take a fade to Kelsey, there's nine seconds left. You have two shots, you know, I mean, like the two shots at the end zone at best. Um, or it, maybe they took a shot to Kelsey with like 17, went ahead and just kicked the field goal at nine, something like that. You know what I mean? Like they're, it just, it, it completely changes it because all of the pressure is on and it's all on guys that are more or less unproven outside of Kelsey because you, yeah. you can't run the ball when you're 12 yards out. Yeah, and honestly, like those plays, like throwing it to Travis Kelsey over the middle of the field and then letting him run out of bounds, maybe you don't risk that on the risk that like he doesn't get out of bounds in time. He had like that 25-yard catch. Those things get a little bit more risky. Uh, You mentioned to me earlier this week, and honestly, it was a really great point, was about how the Chiefs play their worst whenever they're super rushed, and it's specifically Mahomes. Once you get him frustrated, get him rattled, it's not like Brady where he locks back in. He kind of just fizzles, like whenever they lost to the Raiders earlier this year. Um, they had that really ugly game against the Bills. Like, that's whenever you can really make the Chiefs super vulnerable, and they didn't do that. If you put a little bit more pressure and put a little more time, or take uh, take away a little more time from Mahomes and put more points on the board where he has to get a touchdown, maybe he falters a little bit. And so that extra point ended up being incredibly important for this game. Um, We've been talking all season long about how bad the Chiefs wide receivers are. We had that Kadarius Tony masterclass in week one against the Lions where he had multiple turnovers caused specifically by him. We had the Kadarius Tony against the Bills whenever he cost them on that lateral being offsides. We had the Meikle Hardman game where he managed to have a stat line of like two catches, two fumbles, one carry, negative nine yards, like the worst stat line for a wide receiver of all time. But honestly, 
the worst wide receiver of all time. It was actually MVS all along. Uh, he had probably the worst play I've ever seen from a wide receiver where he had a catch where he was already six yards downfield past the line of scrimmage and then inexplicably just decided to run nine yards backwards. I've never seen anything like it. Have you? Yeah, that, I mean, the problem was, so he got thrown backwards, but you have to know when to to call it, right? Like, you have to just go down that point. He regained his balance and then kind of also retreated some. It's like, dude, they got you. There are four guys around you. Like, you would have got the six yards because it would have gave you forward progress, but then you decided to show off how, how great your balance is, and now you, you tiptoe a little bit. It's like, the hawk, just take the six yards. I get it when receivers don't drop the ball whenever they're like about ready to get tackled behind the line of scrimmage, like just adrenaline's like, oh yeah, I need to catch it. You know, it's tough to have that field awareness, but like, dude, don't run backwards. Like, it's not like you're going to be doing like an end around or something cool like that. Like you're not Tavon Austin, man. I'm very excited to see how the Chiefs try, attempt to revamp this wide receiver core because uh, you add those three plus with Sky Moore. Like, I don't think any of these guys are going to be back except for like Rashi Rice and you know Mr. Dependable Justin Watson. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Do you uh, think they uh, do you think they address it in the draft, or do you think they go after some of these free agents? I mean, I don't think OBJ helps this team, but you have OBJ, you have Mike Evans, who's way more exciting. Uh, you have, I guess, Nelson Aguilar if you want to really throw in that that wide receiver uh, roll of the dice. But I mean, there's some guys out there you can go get. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's the, the guys you just mentioned. There's like T. Higgins and everything like that. I'm looking up the offseason uh, targets that they could potentially get. There's going to be a decent amount, but like the Chiefs just aren't going to have the cap space, right? Like, obviously, they're going to have to let Chris Jones walk. That feels like a given at this point. You already did the tag once. You're not going to do it again for a defensive lineman, and he's going to be super expensive. He wants 30 plus million a year. I think that like even the other high upside guys you got like Michael Pittman Jr., Calvin Ridley, Hollywood Brown. Like I, I, I don't feel like any of those guys are ultimately going to be in their price range. I feel like they're going to kind of have to do what they tried to do last offseason, which was wait for a guy to get disgruntled, have a trade offer for like DeAndre Hopkins or something like that. And that's going to be their best chance to be able to retool this uh, wide receiver room. But other than that, you're really going to have to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel a little bit, get some of those like five to 10 million type guys and just try and piece it together. Cause some of these guys are just going to straight up be out of their price range. There's just no way. Yeah. Like, I Gabe love the Davis. Hollywood. Hollywood would be sweet. I think that, I think he'd fit what they try to do. I, I don't think he can make it work cost wise. Yeah, Tyler Boyd, if he didn't hate the Chiefs, would make sense. But, like, he hates the Kansas City Chiefs, so there's just no way. It's going to be interesting. And, obviously, Kelsey was the person that kind of was the boon, right? Like, he was holding up everybody else, you know? But he he can't be a single-handed offense anymore. Like, he just really started faltering in the second half of the season. Uh, obviously, can still put it on in big moments, just like Gronk. You know, he would, he would strap up the bionic leg and everything. But uh, Kelsey's just not going to be able to be that, like, 1500-yard receiver. Yeah, and that and they we have need. to consider, right? I mean, he, is he 35, about to be 36, or is he 36 on his way to 37? He's 35, already was 36 next season. Antonio Gonzalez, you know, was Mr. Consistency and then hit 37. It was like, my body can't do it. I mean, when you're at a position like Travis is, I mean, you just get hit a lot. Like, at some point, your body is just like, I'm tired of shitting blood. I have to stop doing this. No, absolutely. It's brutal. It's a tough position because you're also not just doing the wide receiver thing. You're also doing the, oh, hey, I'm hitting my head like an offensive lineman every single play. So that's just brutal. Uh, some other random musings I had. Uh, 
rushing quarterbacks are not going away. Uh, they're definitely the way of the future. If you watch that game with anybody like I did, I'll listen with my dad. You get the comment normally like, ah, these dang quarterbacks. They say stay in the pocket, you know, just like throw the damn ball. But showing Brock Purdy in this NFC Championship game and then also having Mahomes in the Super Bowl them showing what they can do with their legs, extending plays, and also just getting downfield. It gives you so much more optionality. It doesn't need to be like the primary thing in your offense, like 2019 Lamar Jackson or anything like that. But like just having that a guy who can have some awesome plays, like that option play that they have with Travis Kelsey going into the flat and then Mahomes just taking off downfield for an easy, easy fourth down conversion. It is so awesome. And I think that it just shows how valuable that is. Patrick Mahomes is a leading rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. That's insane. It's insane. So I think it just shows a lot of value all the way around. That's, I think that's spot on. Uh, other random stuff. Uh, I thought the halftime show was good. I, I saw people that didn't like well, it. Millennials were, were happy. Millennials were happy. Uh, get, get that usher out there, man. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, like, the beginning was a little slow. It, it wasn't the best in the beginning. It was kind of chaotic. I didn't really know what was happening. But, hey, he put on those roller skates, and it was game over, man. Alicia Keys was out there. That was great chemistry. And then, obviously, you got to love Luda coming out. He had, he had the great fro. He had the, the great energy. And I feel like everybody, like, stood up whenever that happened. They're like, oh, 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 that, that that's Luda. I know him. And that was just a really fun moment. So I will stand by the fact that the Super Bowl halftime show was good. And I also hate every year when everybody has their hot take of like, oh, it was bad. You're not going to think back to this one and think it was bad. Like that never happens. Everybody last year when Rihanna performed thought it was bad. But oh, a year later, I, I don't care anyone saying that. Every single year they're like, oh, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. This is the worst one of all time. But no, you don't actually end up thinking that. It's just like recency bias but like the opposite it makes no sense it, it, it's like it's like the upcoming crop of quarterbacks every single year we start thinking they're bad until they're not it's it's really funny watching public discourse on that yeah, i also don't care about the halftime show like i just like watching football so I'm, I'm not maybe the best voice on that end but yeah people are uh a little ridiculous it's it's a person singing who cares exactly the only critique i had was like hey he was a little quiet in the beginning too like there's yeah, something wrong the, the with mixing the mixing was off at the beginning but like that's not him. Like you fire that guy, you get someone else new. They'll they'll fix it. And then uh, it's a little long. I I just want to get back to the football. And I was also like trying to drive back that night. So I was like, can we can we get moving? Like let's get back to the football so I can go back to bed at some point this evening. So didn't care for that. Also didn't care for uh, Tony Romo at the end of the game there he just like was rambling during the very last play about like overtime rules that he kind of clearly didn't know all the rules about i didn't either so it would have been nice to have someone who's like informed but he just kept rambling and rambling and rambling and then the play started and he kept rambling and rambling and rambling and then they scored and then finally jim nance is able to say something i was like dude like what is going on here just an absolute blunder for what could have been an all-time call on that pass to Michael Hartman to win the game yeah, no, Romo, uh, what a fall from grace. His first year was incredible. Everyone loved having him in the booth. I don't know anyone that's like, oh, sweet, we got Romo on this call. Like, everyone is pretty sick of the guy at this point. And, yeah, I mean, you think to uh, Pats versus Falcons, right? I mean, that that Joe Buck call to end the game, you know, the Brady's got his fifth. Like, that's part of the highlights. You're going to have to mute the highlight of this and just play, like, inspirational music because Romo wasn't, like, talking to, or was talking but complete nonsense during it. Like, or put the radio broadcast it. You know what I mean? Like your chance to be immortalized with that play. And you're just like, not correctly even talking about the overtime. rules. Yeah. 
just brutal. I, I was just like so confused. He was saying like, oh, we're going into the second quarter of overtime. Like, what are you saying, man? Like, you're making this the most confusing thing of all time. I'm still confused, to be honest. I tried to read a few articles about it. I think I have it down to where like, hey, they end that overtime. But because the Chiefs, they're still on their first possession of overtime and both teams need to have an opportunity to score, it would have gone into like an untimed overtime almost sort of thing. But still super weird and could have been explained a lot more crisply by someone who's supposed to know these sort of things. So that was just brutal. Tough look. There's also a report that came out that Tony Robo was asked by a CBS executive to like tone it down, which I thought was very funny. I, I wish I was in the room for that meeting. Uh, yeah. And then other than that, I, I'm really just curious to see how both of these teams try and retool. Like, I think there's a good opportunity for both of these teams to be back. Obviously both quarterbacks still incredibly young, uh, both have good weapons overall. It, it's just very interesting to see what they decide to do to try and fix some of their weaknesses that they're about ready to have. I think one of the big things that the 49ers are going to have to address, which they already started addressing with Steve Wilkes firing is how do you make this defense better? They have a lot of big names. They have a lot of older names but what do you think that the 49ers do to try and retool this defense they've got to get better defensive backs i know they lost their best safety this year so that that doesn't help and you know he makes a difference in this game but i think it starts with a better dbs coach that was that was on wilkes the dbs just fell off as the season went along um you know bosa's got to show up in big games i think keeping young so some of the pressures off bosa that that goes a long way their interior d line's not incredible but it, it wasn't like a spot and then just linebacker depth i mean yeah it, it's just tough you, you get this far and again you, you have guys aging out you have guys demanding money you just you have to really balance it out you've got what one or two more years of purdy being free so you, you probably just do everything you can to win it this next year because uh you can't rely on cmc staying healthy you can't rely on you know a lot of these guys that are on their way out sticking around so i, I think they hit it hard on some one-year deals I, th I think they try to keep some of these dudes and, and i mean your, your windows the next two years yeah, no, I agree. I think that the corners are probably the thing that you address uh, most directly. I think that Charverius Ward kind of uh, had he had a great regular season, but like he just doesn't really move me whenever it comes to these like big time playoff matchups. Like it's great whenever you're guarding like Hollywood Brown or Rondale Moore or whatever, but like whenever we're getting to the big time. Uh, like Devontae Adams and such of the world like he scares me a little bit as your number one corner so like I think going out and getting like Jalen Johnson would make a lot of sense if they had the room for it Kendall Fuller I think would be a pretty good signing for them I I think there's that there's options out there to upgrade cornerbacks specifically and as you mentioned the safeties the safeties are elite when healthy they just got to stay healthy um, getting some linebacker depth I think would make sense like the thing that's been great about the 49ers is their linebackers are just elite you got Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner but those are just the guys that are up front when you start getting to that second level they have a lot of really good backup defensive linemen but like no backups when it comes to linebacker and that's what really costs them so i think i think getting another ace in the hole at linebacker would be really really smart for them what about the what about the chiefs what, what should they do besides address the wide receivers which is obvious. yeah outside of wide receivers so I, I think their offense is going to look very different i i see no reason to keep tony obviously they're you know, maybe if, if Nicole comes back on a cheap deal, fine. If MBS comes back, I mean, I, I don't like, I'm not excited to keeping those guys. I'm excited to keep the tight ends though. You know, Christian Watson, or not Christian Watson, but um, what, what's his first name? Uh, Justin Watson. Justin. Thank you. Justin Watson, I think is a perfectly serviceable tight end too. Uh, possibly even a, a larger role. So you can keep some of the miles off Kelsey during the season. 
Uh, your line is still fine. You probably have to return uh, Taylor, even though I, he's not exactly sensational left tackle. But, uh, you know, you, you got to protect Mahomes. Your running back room is going to look different. There's no way CEH or Jerick McKinnon are back. McKinnon's just kind of on the wrong side of, of just age in general. And CEH has done nothing to prove being a first-round pick. Um, so, so maybe you get kind of an exciting, you know, running back in a year where people aren't talking about running backs. And then... I mean, I know you have Mahomes, so you always have a chance to win the Super Bowl, right? I think you just their defense is young; they're exciting. Um, if you can find a way to keep Chris Jones, I think you're going to be in a, in a great spot. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the running back call. You can't have Pacheco run out there for 20 rushes every single game. I think getting somebody to compliment him a little bit would be pretty nice. And I think offensive line is it's it's always something to address for the Chiefs, it feels like, but it really does feel like this upcoming year. Uh, they're, they're left tackled, Ivan Smith. He's about ready to be a free agent. And then Creed Humphrey, man. I love Creed. I think he's a great blocker, but that man cannot snap a ball. Like there were multiple times in the Super Bowl where the ball went straight to the dirt. It, it feels like there's just like a mental disconnect for him where like it comes from like, hey, I'm throwing the ball back and then I got to get my hands up and it really feels like he struggles to do so. So I think either moving Creed to guard, probably not left guard because Tooney's there, but maybe to right guard and then getting a new center could be a good option or just getting another guard to just give him some early protection could be a really smart move. I, Dude, this sounds crazy, but like you get Jason Kelsey on the Kansas City Chiefs could be kind of fun. Get the Kelsey brothers back. I'm just saying. I don't know. It would be fun. Yeah. It, probably not realistic because he like wants to retire or whatever, but like it would be it'd be annoying, but also kind of fun. I don't know. Um what else? What what other thoughts did you have on the Super Bowl? Anything else? Well, I guess I mean we could take a second and say, does does any of either of these teams' playoff runs affect fantasy at all? Does you know, I mean, did Rasheed Rice vault up boards? Did P- I mean I, I think Pacheco moved up, right? If if that running back room is exclusively Pacheco and no one, no other familiar face, I mean, he has to almost be like a third round pick next year, doesn't he? Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. I think the fumbling issue might end up being a topic that the Chiefs think about whenever they're approaching this offseason. Um, but yeah, I could see the Chiefs drafting a running back. I could see them going after one of the low cost options in free agency, but I do not see them going after like Saquon Barkley or something like that. That does not feel like something that the Chiefs are going to do. I don't think they go after like Derrick Henry, who is seemingly available or anything like that. So um, yeah, I think Kelsey, I think just the way he's moving, especially in this these playoffs, it has me definitely not drafting him first round, which is something that we've been kind of advocating for over the last few years. And then uh, I think that no matter where Brandon Ayuk ends up next year, I'm drafting him very highly just because that guy, he just has a knack for the ball, man, as we saw in that NFC Championship game. So I, I'm I'm a big Ayuk believer right now. Yeah, um, I think those are both great points. You know, you talk tight end, um, I guess the real question becomes is Laporta is he first tight end off the board next year? Yeah, I think so, right? Problem, right. Yeah. Is he a first rounder next year? No, no. Actually, is he over Andrews? I don't know. I'm taking him over Andrews. I guess that with Ben Johnson being back, I am all in on Laporta. If Ben Johnson's not back, I think you have some reservations. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking through the right usual suspects at tight end, right? Like you're not taking Jake Ferguson, you're not taking Darren Waller, that's for sure. Uh, it, it's probably between Andrews and Laporta, right? It's got to be one of those two guys. I, th- I mean, I think Kittle fell down some boards. He just disappeared. I mean, this whole season, he's been rough as far as fantasy goes. It's either three touchdowns on three catches or nothing. I love that he did that against the Cowboys. That's still so funny. One of my favorite performances of the year. 
All right. That that's all I got, man. I, I, I good, you know, light, tight podcast. Nothing wrong with that. Uh it's, it's, it's draft season now. We got to start really gearing up and figuring out how to get ready come uh September. Yeah, a lot of NFL free agency content coming up, a lot of NFL draft content coming up. I'm going to the NFL draft, so you're gonna get on the ground coverage once again, two years in a row. Let's go Detroit. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be a really fun, interesting offseason. I I guess guess we could do a little NBA content if you're feeling it. I know you told me that that's maybe not your forte this year, but I'm all about it always. So <laughs> you will always have a platform to talk basketball. I just cannot add to it. Just be a sounding board. That's all you gotta be. All right. See ya. Yep, you have a good one.